0: Hello and welcome to Co-Articulation, the podcast where we explore Walls University and Playhouse Square's production of BARS. I am one half of your hosting team, Daniel Roofing.
1: And I'm the other half, Sarah McCord. Together, Dan and I will be interviewing people involved with the production of BARS, which stands for Beatboxing, Acting, Rapping, and Singing. And today, we have two very special guests.
0: Today marks the first episode of Core Articulation, and to start that off, we figured we would give you a better look into why this podcast is even happening in the first place.
1: For those who are unaware, Dan and I are both senior arts management and entrepreneurship majors here at Baldwin-Wallace University, and our capstone project is to help produce bars.
0: Sarah and I are both members of the education team, and today we are joined by two of our fellow peers in arts management majors, Casey and Isabella. Isabella, let's start with you. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what team you're involved with?
2: Sure. Yeah, so I'm Isabella. I am in the marketing team for BARS. I am actually an international student from Brazil, currently a senior arts management and marketing double major here at Baldwin Wallace. And yeah, I have been involved with some of the musical productions here at BW. I was in the marketing team for Kinky Boots, for Spring Awakening, and now in the marketing team for BARS.
0: And then we have Casey. Why don't you do the same for yourself?
2: Hello,
3: my name is Casey. I am on the programming and operations team for BARS. Um, My arts management history is mostly in development. Um, I've had some really great internships that have helped me along the way. And I'm looking forward to learning more about operations with Playhouse Square.
0: So as you all heard, we are all part of the arts management producing team. And so, like we mentioned in our intro, this is part of our senior capstone project. So every arts management senior in their last year is involved with this partnership production with Playhouse Square and Baltimore University. This year is obviously a bit different because of COVID. So we're doing this virtual bars thing. Normally, this would be a stage production uh, at Playhouse Square. So things are just a bit different this year, but nonetheless, we're still doing pretty much the same work. Um, we have everyone represented from all the different avenues, but I figured we would start by just sort of talking about arts management in general, because not a lot of people know about it. So open-ended question for everyone here. What is arts management?
1: I can take that one. Um... What is arts management is a question I feel like I've been asked a lot (laughs) through college. I feel like everybody can kind of agree with me on that. But the way I've kind of described it is it is the planning, the organizing, um, and the doing of all arts shows and gallery showings and the music you hear, you know, it all comes from artists, but those artists or those shows take place in theaters and in venues that get run by people. Um, somebody needs to set ticket prices and maintain the financials of the organization. Somebody needs to make sure that guests and the audience uh, know everything that they need to know to come enjoy the show. Um, marketing, of course, people need to know about the mm-hmm. show that's going on, how they can access it, why they would want to come see it. Um, all of those are arts managers that are behind the scenes kind of producing the art that we all like to consume. So to me, arts management is kind of the means of helping artists create art um, along with being artists ourselves, I would say.
3: I think historically artists were often finding themselves in um, managing positions at museums, theaters. They sort of climbed the hierarchy when they could no longer perform or create. They said, oh, I'll, I'll manage. And I think it's really important to have people who are trained in business in these positions to ensure the longevity and sustainability of the organizations that we love so much. And that's what's I think the best about our program is that we have, you know, required arts training, but we also have a strong business background.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And that's part of the the whole arts management and entrepreneurship. I forgot to mention that's kind of the other half of our major. It's not just arts management. And Baldwin-Walls had an arts management pro- program about 30 years ago, but back in 2015, they decided to merge with this arts management entrepreneurship major in the U.S., and we were the first ones to do that. And that is the whole reason why I came to Baldwin-Walls. I don't know about everyone else here, but I came here to look into like the music therapy program and then uh, my tour guide was an arts management major, and she absolutely convinced me to do it, and I love every, every moment I've done here, so I don't know if everyone else feels the same way.
2: Yeah, I think I can kind of speak to that a little bit as an international student. So back in my home university, I st- uh, studied business administration for three years before coming here, um, and I think that what is so special to me about arts management is that I get the chance to meet, like, my passion for art with my education and my background in business and most, most specifically with um, marketing. So that is super um, interesting because as you guys already mentioned, like we are artists ourselves, but not necessarily want to have an artistic career, but we still want to be involved with the arts. Uh, so I think that the arts management program and what we learn here is um, it's great
0: our future careers yeah and I really like how this whole like final project that we're doing this bars production is this sort of summation of everything that we've learned in our arts management career obviously every semester we test our skills and we gain new skills but we don't really get to fully utilize our whole arts management tool belt so to speak until we do this capstone project and for those who are unfamiliar, you get to kind of choose um, which capstone you can do. There's this um, theater producing one, and now there's this music industry side. So the students get to kind of choose into a special field they want. And obviously, we all chose the theater side, and we get to do this wonderful collaboration with Playhouse Square, which is like a dream come true for most of us, because Playhouse Square is just absolutely wonderful.
1: Yeah, um, kind of going off of that, we each, as we kind of mentioned, are representing a different sort of faction of this program. So I kind of would like to hear from Casey and Isabella about what they what their program does, you know, what is the marketing for bars? And what is the program and operations for bars looking like?
3: I can go first. Um, As a member of the programming and operations team for bars, um, we're responsible for a lot of the behind the scenes uh, parts of the production. So because Bars is virtual. We had to decide on a streaming platform that would also work well as a virtual stage, uh, which was difficult. We ultimately decided to use Zoom and a program called OBS Studio that uh, can integrate together. And that will allow the performers to have live video editing that works with the improv that they're doing. So we'll have a technical director Uh, coordinating scenes with actors uh, who look like they're on stage in a setting together um, with the OBS Studio software. Um, We're also responsible for setting up the ticketing platform, determining what ticket prices are um, in relation to our budget, and managing the ticket sales on campus. And of course, as the 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 date draws nearer and the production is beginning, we'll help with load in and tech, um, and loadout.
0: Wow, quite the full plate then.
3: Yeah, it's been it's been a lot, but it's been really exciting. Um, I think things will really things are really going to pick up once uh, we hit April and the production gets closer.
0: Absolutely. So, Isabella, how about you tell us about the marketing aspect?
2: Yeah, of course. So a little bit different from the programming and operations team uh, that they will be very, very busy once the show approaches. The marketing team was very busy uh, before we actually launched the show. Um, We were responsible for creating the image of bars. So all this um, brainstorming sessions of what the show should look like or the brand of the show uh, should look like. Uh, creating a logo, creating, you know, brand guidelines for all that, for all the materials that everyone will see um, online and on posters. So we were responsible for that. Um, Of course, we have the help of uh, a graphic here from Baldwin Wallace University and also the guidance from our mentor from Playhouse Square. But uh, most of the work um, is is done for our team. Um, And we are also responsible for like the advertisement of the show. So all the social media campaigns and whatever uh, the audience members will see online um, is either created or um, scheduled by our teams. Uh, So we are currently working with uh, three accounts. We are working with uh bw conservatory we're working with baldwin wallace music theater and the playhouse square account so we have to basically sort uh the content that we have onto these platforms and see what best fits the audience um, and we're also responsible for email marketing so basically all the adver- advertisement and the uh, and creating the image of the show
0: Yeah, and for those of you who are watching the podcast on a site like Spotify where you can see the logo, Isabella and her team also designed the logo for co articulation.
1: Yeah, and Dan and I are working on the education side. So we're working with um, engaging the community with bars and sort of educating our patrons about what bars is, what they can expect to get from the show, and kind of the deeper meaning and theme about bars. So our team is working on a series of kind of videos that'll teach you how to do some basic beat bo- beatboxing, rapping, acting, and singing. Um, obviously, this podcast is a part of the education programming. I'm as well working on a behind-the-scenes documentary as well that will show the audience um, how we created a virtual live performance because it is a bit tricky. Um, but all of this is part of our education umbrella and community engagement.
0: Yeah, we're definitely like... Each of our separate areas are all doing a lot, but I think it's really interesting how they all sort of interplay with one another, because a lot of there's some confusion with um, sometimes the education can overlap with marketing. And one of the big things is always how to avoid that. So I was wondering if Isabella or Sarah, if you wanted to talk about that for a little bit.
1: Sure. I mean, um, marketing is always super helpful to education because education makes the programs right, but we need some way to get the word out about them. So this podcast, for instance, is created by the education team, but the marketing team needs to let everybody know about it. Uh, Sometimes there's a lot of collaboration that happens because marketing will look for a way to soft sell the show, meaning that Instead of directly asking people to buy tickets, you provide them with some other kind of content that is a reminder about bars. So sometimes education materials can serve as a way to bridge the gap between marketing and education and provide uh, us with the promotion that we need for our materials and provide marketing with the content that they would like for their social media and hard copies. Uh, Isabelle, if you want to say anything else about that?
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that... um... Marketing and education have a very strong collaboration um, relationship because, as you mentioned, um, we do have ideas for campaigns, um, but also some of our ideas may overlap with yours. So it's very nice to really um, collaborate on those and, yeah, put the word out there and get those tickets going. And,
1: of course, it all stems back from... Uh, production and operations, because until we have, you know, tickets to sell, then what's the point of anything? So it's all really interwoven, which I think is kind of a really unique aspect of our major and the arts in general.
0: Absolutely. So I do have one particular question, kind of merging what we have been talking about and what we kind of haven't talked about yet. But obviously, we kind of get to choose each of these um, teams that we worked with, we were able to like make a list of The ones we want to work in most and so I was kind of curious about why everyone here wanted like picked the area that they're working with and how the arts management training they have received. Prior to this has helped them in the avenue that they chose, so I would like to start with Casey
3: yeah so as I mentioned earlier, when I was introducing myself my experience has primarily been in development with uh, donor work and fundraising. Um, But. Being a student at Baldwin-Wallace has afforded me the opportunity to do some event planning. I started a club freshman year um, and we produced concerts for a little while, and I really loved that side of, of the arts industry and wanted to see how my experience with the physical stage would translate to a virtual stage.
1: Yeah, I think that's the really kind of unique thing about this production is it's so different than anything we've maybe seen or worked on before. Um, Not only are you programming a show, but you're programming a brand new virtual improv live comedy show, which is just completely different, I think, than what we've worked on in the past. So I definitely see it as a great way to grow skills and learn new things for sure. Um, Isabella, what about you with marketing?
2: Yeah, so I think it all goes back to, like, my interest in, you know, my career interest. Um, as I mentioned before, I studied business administration. So, like, there are all, all these pillars of management and business administration that I, I had to learn. And I'm most um, passionate, let's say, about marketing for, from all of those. So um, I'm very, very thankful that I get to tie, like, my my majors, you know, in marketing and arts management, um, in this type of production, um, because, um, I, I get to use the skills that I use and that I've learned in marketing, uh, to promote the show. So a lot of what we learn in class, I get the chance to apply, um, you know, for this production. So yeah, I am just very, very interested in like, the strategy behind it all and not necessarily just oh let me make this graphic and oh let me I don't know like promote the show this way like I like to think back to the why and so yeah I think that marketing is a lot of strategy not necessarily just you know what you see um there is a lot of thinking and strategy behind it all so yeah that's what I love it
0: nice. and I, I worked with Isabella um, on the two previous productions that we have done. So starting with Kinky Boots, which was um, the academic premiere of that show. and then just this last year we worked on a virtual production of Spring Awakening and Isabella and I worked on the marketing team and it's really just interesting to see how how driven you are in your marketing endeavors and you're very analytical and very um, calculated in everything you do. and it always pays off like wonderfully. so, You do a really good job at marketing. Um, So Sarah and I both are obviously education, so Sarah's hoping you could go first and talk about why you picked Education Team.
1: Yeah, so education is something I kind of stumbled into in my junior year of college working on Kinky Boots. I joined the education team for that and I worked on putting together some post-show talkbacks as well as kind of creating a community engagement um, lobby experience. And I really enjoyed that getting to kind of connect with people and bring the themes of the show really out of the show and put them kind of in full focus almost. Um, The kind of point of our campaign around Kinky Boots was diversity and inclusion, and we worked to kind of make people think and have conversations regarding diversity and inclusion beyond the show, um, which I really enjoyed a lot. Um, Moving on from there, I kind of fell in love with community building and just kind of creating a place where people could share their art and could connect with each other, um, which led me right back to education, really, uh, for Spring Awakening, which I worked on in the fall of 2020, creating a podcast where I interviewed all the people that worked kind of behind the scenes for creating that production. That one was a filmed virtual production. So I spoke with the costume designer and the director and the video editor and the choreographer and a handful of other people to learn uh, how the show was made. Um, Coming from a tech theater background myself, I always think that's very interesting and something that a lot of people don't know about, you know, a lot of people will sit in the chair and watch the play and you see there are so many moving parts in theater um, that don't always get recognized and it's necessarily that people don't care or don't want to know that those things because I've always found that when I do tell the behind the scenes stories people are really interested. Um, so it's more about just finding a vessel to tell those stories about how the props get chosen and made and you know why the choreography was designed this way I think is very interesting. Um, so I knew I wanted to jump back onto education um, to create similar content for this uh, really unique production and I'm super excited to be doing this podcast and to be doing the documentary where I'll dig a little deeper into the making of bars
0: yeah nice and going off of what you had said about how you know everyone gets to see kind of the behind the scenes sort of look at everything um that's kind of like everything that we do so all the the these different aspects of marketing programming education um it's all these moving pieces that not a lot of people really see unless you know you're actively searching for them or you come across them like while you're looking through the program or something like that so it's just really cool to see how all of these like seemingly unimportant things all all contribute to the production as a whole and make it what it is and make it special. And I think that's why I chose the education team. i had worked in marketing for obviously, like I said, Kinky Boots and Spring Awakening. And I've had experience in programming and operations, like just with some of the own musical stuff that I do. So education was something that I didn't really get, you know, a lot of experience in. So most, most of the reason I chose it was just to sort of round out everything and get some experience in education before we go out into the real world. But I really do love the community aspect of it. And I love being able to educate people on something. Um, you know, being a, being a student in college and being the one who's educated, it's just a really nice feeling to, you know, flip the switch and be like, oh, well, I just helped someone learn something. And I helped someone, like someone asked for more information or someone searched out this information because of something I did. And so I just love that whole aspect of the the education team. So as we're nearing the end of this episode, I just kind of wanted to ask everybody what their interpretation of BARS is and if they could explain that for the audience who doesn't know since this is the first episode of this podcast.
3: Yeah, I can go first. Um, I think what really sets BARS apart from any other production I've been involved in is how dependent it is on communication Um, from the behind the scenes crew to what's happening on stage. um, You really need to be able to pick up on minute cues from uh, from your audience, from the people who you're sharing the stage with. And it really relies on something that is within all of us, you know, this ability to communicate an idea and to run with it, to explore boundaries that may be unfamiliar the magic of bars i think truly lies in the way it combines music with improv that's something that we don't really get to see a lot on the stage that that happens behind the scenes you know before people walk out you'll improv a little tune to warm up but to have that showcased is something that's really special And I think um, something that our audiences will truly value when they walk away from the production.
0: And do you think that um, the fact that this is a virtual production, do you think that adds to it? Or do you think this would even benefit from being something that's more in-person and on stage?
3: I think definitely I'd like to see this as an in-person production, but starting it out virtual just means that so many more people can get exposed to it and see what it's all about
0: I agree I think that's one of the best things about this show is that it's so accessible and even just like the whole audience participation aspect of it that's not something you see too often in live theater I think I've only ever seen one show where there was audience participation and it was not involved as involved as bars is so I think that's going to be something audiences will really be excited to see and interact with Isabella how about you
2: yeah, I think, um, for me, what is so special about bars, I think that it's a great combination of, like, traditional and contemporary urban art. Um, so I think that this opposition and of what we're used to with, you know, musical theater or, like, the cr- the classic training that um, the students here at VW get, um, with like the contemporary urban art uh, represented by, you know, beatboxing and rapping in the show is so great. And I think that audiences will be very impressed of how that will turn out, um, including, you know, the music and then the acting. I think that is going to be very, very exciting. And yeah, I do agree. Um, I think it's a, it's a new idea and it's live and it is interactive. Um, I think that people are a little bit tired of the virtual productions that are pre-recorded and they will just watch it, um, online. This is literally interactive. The audiences will be as much part of the production, uh, as the, the cast themselves. So I think that, yeah, it's just interactive. It's new, it's live and it's exciting.
0: I totally agree with that, and I I just think it's really refreshing, especially because like you know the negative the negatives of the pandemic definitely outweigh the positives. But I do think that it has presented some great opportunities for theater to sort of evolve and try out new things and take risks. And I think bars is definitely a huge risk. There's no denying that, but I think it's going to pay off, especially in this virtual format. So I totally agree with you, Sarah. How about you?
1: Yeah, I mean. Um... Just definitely co- like reiterating everything uh, that was already said, but Bars every night is going to have a different collection of the company, so the same actors are not going to be all together uh, for each night. It's going to be a different set of people. Um, the show is going to go... Play on the audience a little bit. So, the audience members are going to get to tell the company a little bit about themselves, and then the company is going to create their uh, beatboxing, acting, rapping, singing, their bits around the audience. So, the audience is going to feel very in the show, um, very involved, uh, as well as just, you know, it's, it's a comedy. It's going to be funny. I'm just really excited to see some wonderful, lighthearted um, fun. I think it's just going to be a blast for everybody to watch and feel like they're a part of, um, this virtual theater, which I think will be so special. Uh, and I think it's just going to be a really good time. So I'm most excited for, just seeing this really unique style of musical theater. You know, it's still going to be, we're still going to be seeing that classically musical theater trained, you know, these actors are classically trained in musical theater. So we're still going to see that shine through, but with the addition of of these other styles, um, with the beatboxing and the rapping, um, and it's all going to come together to be just a really fun night, I think.
0: Yeah. And we interviewed, Sarah and I interviewed Jay Ellis, who's the director of this show, and that'll be premiering on premiere night of the show. But one thing that we did talk about is the fact that, you know, some of this could be considered like hybrid forms and um, something that we call genre queer, which is just like a mixing of all these different um, genres and styles and ways of doing things. And I think that's just like the perfect way to describe this show. Um, So any audience member who might be a little bit skeptical or nervous about this, I say just go into this show with a completely open mind and just ready for anything. And you'll come you'll come away with something really special from this. So we really hope you all enjoy BARS. Um, Isabella and Casey, we have four questions that we ask everybody before we go. So we're gonna ask you these before we wrap up. Um, we will start with Casey. Uh, we're just gonna ask you these, just give your answer right away. Don't think about it, whatever comes to your mind first. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, question one, what is your biggest dream?
3: My biggest dream is to run away to Colorado, have a ranch, make art all day, and operate a small business and artist residency.
0: That is one of the most beautiful dreams I've ever heard. That is amazing. I love that.
3: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Okay.
0: So what is your favorite word?
3: Nomenclature.
0: Nomenclature. What does that word mean?
3: So basically, nomenclature is the naming of like, scientific things
0: gotcha it's
3: like how they categorize stuff
0: it's a very scientific word one could say
3: well i just like it because it has the word gnome in it
0: i like that too that's that's really fitting okay (laughs) so the next question is what is your least favorite word
3: my least favorite word is
0: no oh wow very nice and your last question is what's next for you
3: after I graduate, uh, I will be spending two months in Aspen, Colorado, working for a classical music festival. And hopefully that will be the start of my dream.
0: Wow, what's your role in the music festival?
3: I will be working in the box office. Okay. I worked there two years ago and I'm so happy to be returning.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. You have big things in store for you. So we're all very excited to see where you go. Thank you. Okay, Isabelle, are you ready for your questions? Um, Your first question, obviously, is what is your biggest dream?
2: My biggest dream is to live in New York and see all the Broadway shows possible and maybe work on some of them through marketing.
0: Oh, so for those who don't know Isabella, what what is the job that you're currently working on for Broadway World?
2: Yes, I am currently a student blogger for Broadway World and I get to write articles, interviews for them. So, yeah, that's a little, you know, a little step on the door, I guess. I don't know. No, foot on the door. That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, uh, what is your favorite word?
2: So my favorite word is a word in Portuguese um, okay. and it means, uh, well, the, the word is saudade. and it means to miss someone so the portuguese language is actually the only language in the whole world that has a word that means to miss something or someone and that is saudade and i love it
0: i've never heard of that before i'm gonna look that up and like use it like every day if i can um what is your least favorite word
2: i'm not a big fan of like words that come from sounds so like sifting, sifting, or like sizzling, or uh, yeah, like oh, okay. words that comes from sounds.
0: Okay, so you're not a big fan of onomatopoeias then?
2: Yes. Okay.
0: Like,
2: all those, you know, kitchen vocabulary that you learn when you're learning a new language, like sure. I, I, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, noted. <laughs> Uh, What is next for you, Isabella?
2: Um, My future is uncertain. Um, I am currently in the process of getting approved to work in the U.S. after I graduate. Um, So, I mean, the dream would be to go to New York and start, you know, my life and my career there. But I know that with, like, the pandemic, things are a little bit shaky still. So, like, there is a lot of uncertainty. Um, But, yeah, I'm just, you know... going through all these challenges and hopefully getting there sometime soon.
0: Awesome. Well, we very much appreciate you and Casey both for joining us on this podcast. Um, Sarah, where can people who are interested in bars find tickets?
1: So you can get tickets on the Playhouse Square website, playhousesquare.org forward slash events, forward slash detail, forward slash bars, or you can just head over to their website um, and click through the events until you find bars. And there you can buy your tickets. They're available now. Uh, be sure to get one.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Co-Articulation and look forward to new episodes every Friday. Thank you.